Happy Magical Monday, milkers. Welcome back to another episode. The brew this week is called Cherry Lime Sparkling Tea. This brew, the brew this week isn't your average drink that we review on this show. This is brought to us by the interesting people of Rare Brew located in Indianapolis, Indiana. This is a startup uh, that was started by a group of tea connoisseurs with the goal to make tea fun and uh, while also dazzling your taste buds. The Cherry Lime Sparkling Tea is filled with carbonated water, green robe, rubus, I looked this up before and I still can't pronounce it, rubus, red rubus tea, hibiscus, cranberries, cherries, and lime oil. So this is not a beer, it is a tea that is brewed in Indianapolis, Indiana by Rare Brew. I had to review them on the show because I give this a 5 out of 5. It is non-alcoholic, there's no sugar, there's no sweeteners, there's no calories, no bullshit at all. Just good infused tea, and they even do interesting things like combining them with hops. I had a Pilsner tea um, that they let me try, and that was really interesting. It was very good. So go check out Rare Brew in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm a huge fan of these guys. It's a startup company. They're just trying to make their way and live out their dream. Go check these guys out. I highly recommend. This is some good-ass tea. Now... If you enjoy the podcast and the content, please consider leaving a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening on. If you want to support us in other ways, feel free to check out the merch store at thecomcast.com, all one word. Thanks for listening. Now let's get into the show, everyone. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Comcast. As always, I am your fucking glorious, amazing host, Ryan, and joining me as always is Cody with a T-sational brew of it, the week. It is really good. It is really good. We we actually, we went to our local farmer's market and they had a representative there from Rare Brew and I thought it was really interesting and he let us try them and the one they had, the taste test there was their Pilsner which was, they brewed with actual hops, and as a lot of you know, hops don't produce any alcohol, it's just flavoring. Uh, he used the brew beer. So, I tried it, I was blown away, I bought a six pack of, of like a variety of things, of flavors that they had. Um, the cherry lime is very good, they also have like a bourbon pear one. They have a lot of different flavors, you can check them out in Indianapolis. They also are actually delivering within 15 miles of their location, so... I would definitely go check these out if you're in the area. Check these guys out if you're in the area. You can go to the store and buy six packs of them as well or loose leaf tea. I, But they're a startup company trying to live their dreams. So go check these guys out at Rare Brew in Indianapolis, Indiana. And enough of that. And we're just going to get right into it. It is our highly voted, I believe, five votes for the Flying Spaghetti Monster Bible slash book slash religious text yep so so we had five votes uh for reading the gospel of the flying spaghetti which is monster. a lot <laughs> yeah so we had five votes for reading the gospel of the flying spaghetti monster so thank all of you for voting uh if you want to vote on a po- on polls like this please go to the comcast facebook page um we post polls regularly so go and check that out 
And, Excuse us, Meta. Go to Meta. Yeah, and there was... Go to our Meta page. Meta page? What is that? It's not Facebook anymore. It's Meta. What? Yeah. Anyway, uh, and we had one vote for Flying Spaghetti Monster, what the fuck. So, um... Yeah, because they probably don't know what it is. Yeah, so five to one... <laughs> So let's just get right into it, everybody. Um, I'm probably going to have to take a break in between this, um, but please feel free to purchase the book, read it yourself, um, and if you don't want to purchase it, just enjoy uh, me reading. I will say ahead of time, I'm going to give some trigger warnings and some trigger alerts. Not everything is accurate. This is a... No shit. This is a this is a gospel. Hey, and just remember, you voted for this, so yeah. Cody, no read good. So, um, just F an FYI. <laughs> so this is a this is the gospel of a Pasifarian religion, um, and the strong. So the method the the methodology behind Pasifarianism and this religion is or created by Bobby Henderson is that oh, you you cannot prove. Essentially, the the story is you cannot prove that. That your religion is correct, and you cannot disprove that this religion is not correct. So Bobby Henderson took it to himself to create his own. So this is the Gospel of the Flying Spaghetti Monster by Bobby Henderson. Let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, like I said, trigger warning. Uh, if you don't want to listen to it, please, we're not going to force you to listen to it. But please, if you enjoy it, uh, I hope you do. Um, it, it's going to be full of laughs, and hopefully Ryan enjoys it too. And if this is your first episode listening to the show, skip it and wait for next week. Actually, I wouldn't even <laughs> skip it. We're going to do this alternating, so we're going to do an episode of this and then regular and then so on and so forth until we complete the book. So let's just go ahead and jump right into it. I've skipped through a few things, so let's just get right into the disclaimer. Uh, there is disclaimers. So while Pastafarianism, oh sorry, The Gospel of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, written by Bobby Henderson... Read by Toadie Tummings. <laughs> Read by Toadie Tummings. Uh, so, disclaimer. While Pasifarianism is the only religion based on empirical evidence, it should also be noted that this is a faith-based book. Attention readers will note numerous holes and contradictions throughout the text. They will even find blatant lies and exaggerations. These have been placed there to test the reader's faith. Disclaimer about, like I said, trigger warning. Disclaimer, I'm just reading this. I'm reading this word for word, everybody. So that's why I'm giving you a trigger warning. Yeah, and all the words I say are, are my commentary. So, so basically it's saying this book is just a crock of shit. So, just, so enjoy. Okay, so <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer about midgets. <clears throat> I said trigger warning. Trigger I warning. am reading this book word for word, so do not get angry at me. It's the book. Yeah. They Discla said it. Disclaimer right. about midgets. Our religion, so, so sometimes referred to as midgets or little people, our religion does not wish to discriminate or cause hurt feelings among any group, and this is especially true of the very short who is provoked, uh, oh, sorry, if provoked, could easily appear out of nowhere and attack. As a solution, we, <laughs> as a solution... <laughs> We offer the following. To prevent angering the little people community, we suggest that this book be placed on the very highest shelf possible. God. That's so bad. I will be offering a trigger warning probably every episode in between breaks. Let's begin. Dear friend. <laughs> I thought we already started. <laughs> that was the, the, just a disclaimer page. 
Dear, you don't, he don't like little people. Dear friend, welcome to the wonderful world of religion. These are exciting times in holiness. Uh, politicians are crusading. Nations are invading. And science is fading. With these changes come religious opportunities, the likes of which haven't been seen since the Reformation, or at least since the persecuted masses first huddled together and shipped off to the great democratic revival meeting we call the United States of America. With this in mind, the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, FSM, unites to learn a little more about, uh, sorry, invites you to learn a little bit more about us. We like to tell you all about our heaven, which features a stripper factory and a giant beer volcano. Awesome. We'd love to see you dressed in his holy garb, full pirate regalia. We we want to want you to enjoy Fridays as his chosen holiday. But first, you need to know a little more about us. What do we stand for? All that is good. What are we against? All that isn't good. Sounds sweet, right? Of course, it's not that simple, and that's why we need a book. Doesn't every religion have a book? The Jews have the Bible, the Old Testament. The Christians have ditto, the new, the new testicle. The Muslims have the Q-tip or whatever. The Jains have fun with Dick and Jane. The Sulfists have uh, Sulfists up, and the Buddhists have the Banana Panda. The, the Hindus have the Ten Little Indians, and the Wiccans have the Witches of Eastwick, and so on. If this was a manifesto, a pamphlet, a flyer, an article, or just some nut preaching from a street corner, you fair reader might perceive FSMism to be just another two-bit cult. But we're not a cult. We're more like a boutique religion at this point, and this is a book that will stand up to any of the others, at least in terms of strict plausibility, if not literary uh, finesse and retributive beheadings and disembowelments. The more you read about us, the more you're going to be persuaded that the Flying Spaghetti Monster is a true creator and the FS that and that FSMism just might be the best religion ever. Go ahead, try us for 30 days. If you don't like us, your old religion might or sorry, will most likely take you back. Unless it's the Jains whose feelings are easily hurt. Raw men. Bobby Henderson, prophet. Prophet. Anybody who calls himself a prophet is not a prophet. Anybody named Bobby fucking Henderson. What's your name, Bobby? Bobby who? Bobby Henderson? The Blunders of Science. And there's a quote here on this page. Part of education is to expose people to different schools of thought. George W. Bush. Closet Pastafarian. They got a quote from George Bush. They also call him a closet Pastafarian. Hmm. The need for alternative theories. Science is a subject in crisis. There's a dirty little secret that the scientific that the scientific establishment has been trying to keep under wraps for years. There are many unproven theories that are being taught to people if if they were established fact. But thanks to the heroic efforts of a handful of deep thinkers, the winds of truth are sweeping across the nation. Consider the theory of evolution. To their credit, intelligent design advocates have uh, advocates have successfully argued that their alternative theory deserves as much attention as evolution. Since neither can be de- uh, considered fact, this is a valid point. 
but evolution is hardly the only theory in trouble. It seems strange that evolution is singled out as just a, just a theory, quote-unquote, when there are so many basic ideas in science that remain unproven, yet are still taught as fact. The obligations to teaching evolution have only illustrated this point further. Alternative theories must be taught in order to give our young students' minds a broad foundation. The intelligent design prop, uh, proponents make a compelling and totally legitimate argument that if a theory has not been proven, then one suggested theory is just as good as another. Take gravity, for example, the force of attraction between massive particles. We know a great deal about the properties of gravity, yet we know nothing about the cause of the force itself. Why are, uh, why are particles attracted to, uh, to one another? If we review the literature, we find a lot of material dealing with the properties of gravity, but very little dealing with the underlying cause of this attraction. Until we have a proven answer to this question, it seems irresponsible to instruct students in what, in what is ultimately just a theory. However, if we must discuss the theory of gravity at all, then it's reasonable that all suggested theories should be given equal time, since none have been proven or disproven. Therefore, I formally submit that the flying spaghetti monster is behind this strange and often misunderstood force. Hmm. What if, what if it is he pushing us down with his noodly appendages that causes this force? He is invisible, remember, and is undetectable by current instruments, so in theory it is possible. And the fact that the gravitational powers of the, spying, uh, of the spaghetti monster haven't been disproven makes it all the more likely to be true. We can only guess as to his motives... But it's, but it's logical to assume that if he is going to such trouble, there is a good reason. It could be that he doesn't want us floating off Earth into space, or maybe just he enjoys touching us. We may never know. Mm. And while it's true we don't have an empirical, any empirical evidence to back up this theory, keep in mind the precedent set by intelligent design proponents. Not only is... Uh, sorry, yeah, not only is observable, repeatable evidence not required to get an alternative theory included in the curriculum, but simply poking holes in established uh, theory may be enough. In this case, the established theory of gravity makes no mention as to the cause of the force. It merely presents the properties of it. I fully expect then that this FSM theory of gravity will be admitted into accepted science with a minimum of apparently unnecessary bureaucratic nonsense, including the peer review process. For further evidence of the true cause of gravity that we are being pushed down by his newly appendages, we need only look at our, histor our, our historical records the average height of humans 2,000 years ago was about 5 feet 3 inches for males, compared with an average height of around 5 feet 10 inches for males today. Useless by itself, this information becomes quite important when viewed in terms of worldwide population. Humans apparently obsessed with fucking have increased their numbers exponentially over the years. We find counterintuitively that a small population correlates with shorter humans and a larger population correlates with taller humans. 
This only makes sense in the light of FSM theory of gravity. With more people on Earth today, there are fewer noodly appendages uh, to go around, so we each receive less touching pushing down towards the Earth, and thus, with less force downward, we're taller. We can fully expect that the population increases and we receive less downward pushing, while the FSM will continue to grow in height. Conversely, we can expect that the sudden occurrence of a worldwide plague would only cause our average height to decrease. This phenomenon can be verified in historical records. We find that, uh, that regions undergoing health crisis have shorter people. Strong evidence that the theory is sound. No one is saying that the FSM theory of gravity is necessarily true. But at the very least, it's based on sound science, sound enough to be included in the curriculum with the other unproven theories. Until the currently taught theory of gravity, known as Newtonism, is proven as fact, alternatives should be taught as well. I don't know. <clears throat> it's weird because gravity comes from the Earth. Mm-hmm. Not in space. So the gravitational pull comes from the center of the Earth, not... Not outside. So it's weird that he says that we're getting pushed down so we don't fly away because there's gravity on Earth. But it's because we're on Earth that it's like that. So in, in the middle of the book, there is these alternative viewpoints. So this is written by... This is literally written by some like important people. So this person is a county sheriff, school board member, and concerned citizen. And <laughs> it's, Concerned citizen. So it's mainly just like... It's letters that were sent in as like, hey, what is it to get you thinking? Crazy hairbrain three, yeah. crazy hairbrain theories. Yeah, I can skip the letters because it takes quite yeah, a few pages, so I can just skip those. Um, but they're all scattered throughout. I mean, the unless there's some good ones, but uh, nothing that's going to be. It's it's mainly to just get you thinking. It's not like, I mean, all those religious books. Let's be honest, Banana Panda is not a book. It's not a religious. You just said book. that to make fun of them. I know. So we could just. There's not really anything like absolutely ridiculous in the letters. It's just regular people writing them. But we all know that Bobby Anderson so far is not a regular person. Well, what's weird about this one is it's supposedly it's a religion, and they're just trying to explain about how their religion came to be, or how this, or how that. When if you read the Bible, it just tells stories, right? Of things. It doesn't. It doesn't really say. Why? Well, also the, the if you think of the Bible, the Bible was written a long time ago. Yeah, but it's weird people. because the Bible is just a book of stories. It's basically like a checklist of shit that happened. It is just a it, it's a it's a thing about how, what people believed in or whatever. But it's just stories. It's just a uh, tales basically. Like if you like if, like Buffalo Bill and like shit like that. It's just tales of shit that happened. This, they're trying to explain to you why. So, it's weird. Yeah. So, let's go ahead and get into the next chapter. <clears throat> Hopefully, my reading's okay so far. That's not bad. I may move three pages. So, we're doing all right. <laughs> Toward a new super science. We are entering into an exciting time when no longer will science be limited to natural explanations. Who is to say that there aren't supernatural forces, magic, some might call it, at work, controlling events around us? Propelled by popular opinion and local government, science is quickly becoming receptive to all logical theories, natural and supernatural alike. 
Not since the Middle Ages have we seen such open-minded science policy. What is science really? Some might call it observational, descriptive, experimental, and theoretical explanation of phenomena. And so, not surprisingly, there are a few who argue that supernatural theories have no place in science since they make no testable claims about the world. But that idea is a little short-sighted. Science is also a collection of tools whose purpose is to enable mankind to solve problems. In this sense, supernatural or magic, metaphysical, not real, what about what have you theories have the potential to be just a helpful, if not more helpful, than the standard natural only science we've used for the last two, 200 years. Extending the science tool metaphor further, shouldn't we endeavor to give scientists the large collection of tools possible? Largest collection of tools possible? No one is saying that they have to apply a supernatural explanation to any particular phenomena. Only that the supernatural be available if nothing else works, or if it is convenient for deceptive political purposes. And remember that this is not a radical new idea. In terms of years in use, supernatural science, super science, <laughs> if you will, has the edge on conventional science. Conventional or empirical science has been in use for only a few hundred years. Obviously, there must be a reason supernatural science lasted so long. Before this empirical science fad begin, could it be that supernatural science is more productive than empirical science? Consider the discovery of and development of new land. An important scientific pursuit by anyone's standard, if we compare a period of time in which supernatural science was the norm, say years AD 1400 to 1600, to a period of time in which empirical science was preferred, say the years 1800 to 2000, we can get a clear picture of just how detrimental empirical science can be. And I wish I wish you guys had the book in this before I continue on, because the book literally displays the most astronomical pictures and you just can't you just can't uh experience like the full effect of the book unless you have it sitting in front of you some of them are absolutely ridiculous here empirical science comes up short even with every technological advantage it possesses even with satellite imagery imagery and gps navigation scientists bound by the chains of empiricalism have been unable to discover even a Paltry 3% of the amount of new land that their supernatural science counterparts found in an equal period of time. Scientists and explorers in the 1400s to 1600s had a few maps, only a compass, cross staff, or astrolabal for navigation. Yeah, astrolab. Astrolab for navigation. And no motorized transportation. Yet even with these setbacks... They still managed to discover more than 14 million square kilometers of new developable land. Clearly, their openness to supernatural forces had something to do with their success, and we can only guess that there were they were guided to these newfound lands by some creature, most likely like the flying spaghetti monster, as historical art suggests. And if you can see the artwork, it's 
the flying spaghetti monster. <laughs> yeah, they're fucking leading are... leading the new people to their pictures are dumb. Land. Well, it's like we talked about it uh, last week or whenever that was last week. And like it says, there's cave paintings and all this shit. And like you look and it's just like, I guess that is okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. The cavemen love pasta, but it's weird how they talk about supernatural science and imperial science because supernatural science is like space and weird shit because people get excited for supernatural science you don't get really excited for regular sciencey shit so of course you're going to spend more time and discover more things because you're excited about it everybody's excited about space and fucking aliens and shit like that nobody cares about fucking i don't know regular science shit how a light bulb works we just know we flip the switch and it turns on but everybody but everybody can focus and put more attention towards fucking outer space and fucking the deep oceans and shit like that. So, I mean, it makes sense, but... So, he's just like... Then again, it uh, just throws the spaghetti monster and all that logic. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he's basically... This would be a not not a, not a bad book, but he just throws in <clears throat> a harebrained theory of a flying spaghetti monster, and that's how yeah. he made it a religion. So, he became... Yeah, I... I yeah. To me, it seems like he tried writing this book, and it didn't. He couldn't get it published. So instead of doing that, he inserted flying spaghetti monster and created a religion. And now everybody knows this dude. Nobody from, can from this. I don't think up to this point. I don't think anybody can say that Bobby Henderson did not do his research. And he totally that's did. What I and mean. he totally might have done some kind of drugs while he was writing this. But no, but that's what I mean. Like he wrote this he wrote a regular book about history and theory and stuff like that. But then to make it stick, like he probably tried getting it published, nobody wanted to publish it, so he just stuck this in there, the flying spaghetti monster thing, and then Realized he could make a religion, and now he's famous and has a lot of money and has a whole I fucking, doubt he has a lot of money. I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. Excuse me. Thanks. Excuse me. Thanks a lot. I like how everybody... That, I don't know how he came up with the pirate thing, though. The pirate thing is weird. <clears throat> so, back to the book. It's only logical to assume that returning to balance, uh, balanced methods of science, natural theories, and supernatural theories both would allow us to find more land, something we greatly need for our growing population. More land means more resources, and more resources means fewer starving children. I can safely say, then, that anyone against the inclusion of supernatural theories into science wants children to starve. Such people obviously have no place in policymaking, and so I suggest that they get to say, get no say on the issue. Next, we'll look at medicine. It might seem crazy to claim that medicine was superior in the Middle Ages when science included the supernatural than it is today being now limited to the study of natural phenomena but let's take a closer look medieval medicine was dominated by religion and yes sickness was generally thought to be punishment for sins and so treatment then considered mainly a, a, consisted mainly of prayer but let's not forget about the antiquated quote-unquote, medical procedure that uh, were ultimately so, success so successful as to render them unnecessary today. Bloodletting. The removal of considerable amounts of blood from a patient's body is considered heinous by today's supposedly superior doctors. 
But who is to say that the procedure didn't do more didn't do more good than modern medicine? Medical tests, medical texts from the Middle Ages. Anyone with even a moderate understanding of Latin can read them, which Latin is one of the hardest languages to read. Yeah. And we have no reason to doubt their. That was just a little side note. And we have no reason to doubt their validity. Uh, tell us that many elements from headaches to cancer are the result of evil spirits who are angry with us. We now know, of course, that there are many causes of these ailments, not just spirits at work, but it's clear from the text that uh, they were a very significant cause of sickness, one that does not exist today. Because bloodletting works so well as to defeat these sickness uh, sickness spirits uh, completely, much the same way polio was cured with high doses of vitamin C to those who disagree. Let me ask you, uh, when was the last time you suffered a demon induced fever? But there was more, but there are more diseases out there and it's apparent that medical science equipped with only modern methods cannot defeat them all. Why not then give these, why not, why not then give these doctors and scientists more tools and the flexibility to consider supernatural causes as as well as natural ones. Who knows what other ailments, even non-demon-induced ones, might be cured with a simple bloodletting or application of leeches. We'll never know until we try. Yeah, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Yeah. <laughs> and while it's true that many people believe in the power of prayer to cure disease... There's never been any verifiable evidence to support the practice. That's not to say it's not possible. It certainly is possible that prayer aids in healing, but it could it could very well be that these prayers are being applied in a non-optical fashion, thus explaining the lack of evidence for these their effectiveness. The truth the truth is we don't know because current scientists scientific methods and religious sensitivities don't allow this type of study. What if those praying are simply praying to the wrong God or offending him somehow? What if by the wearing of a simple eye patch or pirate bandana, those praying might have their prayers answered by the FSM? See, that's this is what happens. He spouts a whole bunch of smart shit, big words. Yeah, make, and then he flips it. That's making I mean. me confuse myself. And then he goes, oh, eye patch, pirates, FSM. Mm-hmm. History is full, and this is why it's kind of entertaining, because he just, like, sneaks the shit in, and he's like, ah, I fucking got you, bitch. Well, the reason I said Steve Jobs is because that's what Steve Jobs did. Steve Jobs got cancer, and instead of actually going to the doctor, doing chemo or getting treatment, he relied on holistic medicine, like uh, natural things, and he died really quick. Yeah. <laughs> in, in suffering, agony, pain. Yep. So, yeah. So, way to go. R.I.P. Steve Jobs. Back to the book. History is full of examples of supernatural evidence. Or, or, sorry, sorry, supernatural events. And unless we are saying that we're somehow more intelligent and educated, better equipped to understand unexplained events today that we have that we were 500 years ago, then we must accept the explanations given to these events by those who witnessed them. Witches, for example, existed in such quantity and caused so much trouble that it was necessary to hunt them down and burn them in the tens of thousands. Here it is, the 21st century. Hundreds of years later, plenty of time for the population of witches to have grown exponentially, yet they are decidedly less of a problem now 
than they were half a millennia ago. Yeah, because nobody gives a fuck now. I have never... It's cool now. <laughs> I have I have never even seen a witch, let alone felt the need to burn one to death. We can conclude, then, that our forefathers, equipped with the knowledge that the supernatural explanations were reasonable, rounded up all the witches in existence and took care of them. The other possibility is that there are witches out there hiding somewhere, plotting their revenge, liberally applying fireproofing compounds to themselves, and someday they may reappear and start causing trouble. And then what will our, our high and mighty scientists do? Throw calculators at them. Or sorry, throw calculators at them? Witches eat calculators. The scientific community the, the scientific community will be helpless to defeat the threat of these witches offering only logical, quote-unquote, and reasonable, quote-unquote, explanations for the horrible events the witches are magically inflicting on us. Hmm. And this is a picture of a witch eating a calculator. Oh, I've seen that one. Yeah. So, we tend to exalt our rigid empirical methods and technological advances almost as if we're proud of what we've accomplished with them. But when the record clearly shows that supernatural and non-empirical science produces uh, these kinds of results, the discovery of new lands, the uh, elimination of demon-inducing illnesses, and the extinction of witches, it's time to rethink our methods and return to what gave us real results. The biggest irony is that the arguments uh, given against the inclusion of the supernatural theories is that the realm of accepted science actually show clearly that supernatural theories are legit fields of scientific study. No one is saying that empirical, natural-only science and supernatural science can live side by side. They can, and in fact, they must. Intelligent design may shun natural explanations for phenomena, but FSMism makes makes use of both the natural and the supernatural. Supernatural equally. Next chapter, what's the matter with evolution? Not, Highlighting the problem. Not enough witches. Not apparently. We burned them all. Highlighting the problem. We hear a lot about evolution these days. Scientists seem to have embraced the subject as though it were the second coming of, well, science. But we're, but where has it gotten us? Are we to believe that just because we're descended from a common ancestor shared with monkeys, dogs, or whatever, that we understand our situation on this earth any better than we make, uh, I'm sorry, any better than we would without evolution to guide us? Is evolution going to somehow make my life more satisfying? Can evolution put food on my table? Will it save the earth from global warming? The answer to all of those above is a big no. And why is that? Because evolution is about as useful as a screen door on a submarine. Sure, scientists will always, well, <clears throat> excuse me, sure, scientists while away their days trying to devise this or that proof to show that evolution is a credible idea. But as long as it's just a theory, no one in the real world is going to take it seriously. So I've decided to do some debunking of my own to show the world that the big bad scientists aren't all that, quote unquote, as the kids <laughs> like to say. Aren't all that. How old is this book? <laughs> uh, it's not that old. I think it was uh, it was mid two thousands, something like that. I mean, that's pretty old, though. 
I mean, we let me a, see if it says... We had a black president, so, ever since then. Um, so it's pretty old. If you got a quote from fucking George W. Bush, that's pretty old. There's plenty of them in here. Uh, it usually says on the book, but I don't... And that's the thing, in the early one. 2000s, like, witch... Like, you don't have witch talk, so, like... Which is which is which shit's cool now. Everybody wants to be a witch, so everybody thinks they're a witch. Um, excuse you, it doesn't take much to be a witch. Just because you don't fucking eat kids doesn't mean you're not a witch. So I guess which which power technically <laughs> technically you'd have to eat calculators. You gotta have a good witch laugh though, right? <laughs> All right, back to the book. Back to, back to the book. What is evolution? Can't even have fun. <laughs> Back to the book. This is fun. What are you talking about? I'm enjoying myself right now. Are you? I'm talking about witches. What is evolution? <laughs> what is evolution but the gradual change of species over a lengthy, lengthy period of time as a result of various internal and external selective pressures? My grandfather, who is an, who is old as dirt, has been through that. According to early lithographs. He was quite a looker in his day, but now, a the century f- later, after years... The fuck year- is a lithograph? I don't, uh, like those early pictures, I think. He was quite a looker back in his day, but now, a century later, after years of hard drinking and working in the mines, he has no hair and looks like shit. Could evolution just mean growing old? I posed this question to a scientist friend who explained that the change has to take place over many generations. You think the evolutionists would have started... Or sorry, would have stated that right out of front, and I admit that I stand corrected. But evolution still sounds a lot like growing old to me, and I can't help thinking that this is where the evolutionary scientists first got their wacky ideas. Having cleared up this common confusion, let us move on to the proposed selective force of evolution, namely natural selection. That's the thing, that's all evolution is though, is time. Evolution is time. Yeah. You have a certain thing. If I put this blade of grass, if I plant grass, over time, it will evolve to stay alive. It will evolve to do whatever. Or, you know, you put a fish in a pond or whatever, it will grow and it will evolve and it'll have babies. But see, did you see what, did you hear what he did there? So he thought evolution was over the course of like a hundred years. Not so much. No. And then on this last sentence, he says, having cleared up this common confusion, common confusion may be for him, but not for a lot of the majority other people. For me, evolution is like, oh, turtles could not swim. And then they got stuck on an island one day and then they learned to swim. Um, over thousands of years. Yeah, not tortoises, turtles. No. Different, different. Don't throw a tortoise in the water. Sea turtles, it will die. Mate. Sea turtles. Tortoises will die. <laughs> yeah, if they don't have fins, they can't swim. People. Yeah, they cannot swim. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so uh, let's just say whatever his name is. Yeah. What's his name? Bobby Henderson. Yeah, old Bobby. B H is a fucking dumbass. all right let's keep reading so what the fuck is this supposed to mean is there is there unnatural selection and who's doing the selecting neither of these questions could be answered by my scientist friend and so that i have been forced to ditch my now former friend and perform my own research his scientist friend is just a a fucking dude that works at Chuck E. Cheese yo man I heard from this one dude he was like evolution and I was like what's that and he was just like 
time. <laughs> and I was like, time. wow. And wow. I was like, here's your fucking pizza. <laughs> should write a book on that. Get the fuck out of here. The show starts at five. You can't, you can't miss the animatronics, man. They're great. <laughs> what follows is, to the best of my ability, what I've been able to uncover regarding the evolution, uh, evolution and natural selection. A closer examination of natural selection. Apparently, there are not one, but two forms of selection. There are natural selection and sexual selection. I'll let you mull over the second sexy form of selection for Ugh. a minute. At least, until, at least until I've torn the first one to shreds. You should have time to masturbate while reading my proofs. Ew. If that's what you're into. That's gross, because sexual selection could be like... That's why we have uh, pedophiles and shit like that, because sexual selection. Yeah, sure. That's what they're into. That's I don't. I definitely don't think that's what it is. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it is. No. Yeah, what you prefer to fuck? Well, let's see what Bobby Henderson thinks it is. Oh, he just figured out what evolution was. I'm pretty sure it's not yeah. good. According to neo Darwinists. Most evolutionary change is attributed to natural selection, meaning that individuals carrying genes that are better suited to their environment will leave more offspring than individuals carrying genes that make them less adaptive. Over time, these more adaptive traits will uh, proliferate, altering the genetic composition of the overall population since individuals with better fitness... Uh, fitness as in fit for their environment, pass more of their genes into the next generation. It is this process, scientists will tell you, that produced the platypus, the penguin, and the poodle, leading us to the conclude that scientists are definitely full of shit. If someone can explain to me the adaptive traits of the duckbill, quote unquote, then they are certainly then they can certainly tell me why the platypus is the only mammal on the planet that has one. Are platypi pusses? Who who knows? What the fuck? Hey, they do lay eggs though, which is crazy because yeah. they're still called mammals. Yep. Concerned with integrating themselves into local duck populations? Do they think that they're funny? Why the fuck do they have a bill? I'll take it easy on the scientists regarding the platypus because obviously it's a tough one. But I'm sure there are several hundred scientists right now earning their tenure in a pointless search for the evolutionary significance of this ridiculous creature. I'll close on the platypus by stating an alternative theory that I've come up with. The flying spaghetti monster made the platypus because unlike scientists, he had a sense of humor. It's an unlikely sign from God, and until someone can prove me wrong, that's my theory. And that's the thing, like a plat it's just one creature. But I feel like a platypus would like uh, was like a science experiment and then it got loose. Or either that or like a nuclear blast. Like it got caught in a nuclear blast and mutated and shit. But it's it's a duck mixed with a beaver. So uh, either a beaver fucked a duck and it came out with the platypus, or it's just a genetic experiment gone wrong. But I don't think it was the flying spaghetti monster. Had a sense of humor. Yeah, they're both just theories. True. Or it's like Tusk and somebody glued a fucking glued shit to a beaver and then the beaver evolved from that. Right. Yeah. Tusk. Watch Tusk. You've never seen Tusk. It's fucked up. It is good. It's on Hulu. Mm -hmm. I will next turn to more ordinary and boring examples of natural selection, which I will then proceed to slice to ribbons. Let us look at the fascinating case of bacteria. 
It is well known that antibiotics are used to cure various illnesses caused by bacteria. And it is equally well known that most bacteria, for example, Staphylococci, most scientists are uh, perverted and use Latinate terms to hide this fact. Translated into English, Staphylococci means power penis. Eventually develop immunity. You got a lot of weird sexual stuff in here. Eventually develop immunity to these antibiotics. I'm making it up. Not really. Looking a little closer at the case of Staphylococci, we find that in 1929, Sir Alexander Fleming, no relation to Sir Elton John, first observed. What the, the fuck? <laughs> first observed the bacterium Staphylococci to experience inhibition on an uh, agar plate contaminated by a penicillium meaning many tiny penises, mold. Sir Alexander Fleming, or F-Man, as the Queen liked to call him, isolated the <laughs> penicillium to make penicillin, which then went on to be known as a wonder drug for many diseases, mainly VD, but grad venereal disease. Yeah, but yeah. gradually penicillin in its natural form became useless. Scientists will tell you that the bacterium which replicates faster than a chinchilla in a Cialis factory, eventually developed a strain of itself that was uh, resistant to naturally formed penicillin, and that the process of natural selection caused this resistant strain to propagate in nature. This is an outright lie, which I will disseminate momentarily. If we look at bacteria that grow resistant in antibiotics, insects that grow resistant to DDT, uh, which is... DEET, if you don't know what DDT is, or even HIV that grows resistant to antiviral drugs, we see a fascinating correlation between natural selection and resistance. But what are we really seeing here? I submit that they're not changing their genetic makeup, they're changing their minds. In short, they're getting smarter. If I go to your house and you feed me a shit sandwich two days in a row, I'm having lunch at McDonald's on the third day, uh, on the third day. It's just that simple. Don't let the scientists with their big phallic bacterial names tell you anything different. They're not as smart as they pretend to be, no matter how much they try to demean so-called lower life forms. And that's the thing. Like, I feel like this book doesn't hold up because especially, like, as we know with COVID, with COVID and, like, other diseases like that, things mutate and evolve. Things can do that. And that's what he's talking about is, like, I feel like he's just... He never understood what it meant, so he's like, I'm going to write a book about it because other people don't know exactly what it means and that's the And that's the whole point I mean, of this book and this quote-unquote religion, quote-unquote cult. <laughs> so maybe. he's discovering new facts, and he's like, well, maybe it's this. Exactly. Well, maybe it's that. This entire thing was created. That's, that's what I said. Th this entire religion slash cult slash whatever it is is literally just saying that these theories have not been proven, but neither are the other ones, so they can make up whatever the fuck they want. But it's like it's like a dude with amnesia. He's like, who am I? And be like, oh, your name's Ryan. And be like, oh, huh, Ryan. What am I? I'm like, oh, you're a person? Oh, okay. And you're like discovering new shit. It's like, what's that on the front of me? It's like, that's a penis. And I'm like, oh, that's a penis? What do I do with it? Well, you pee out of it. You jerk it off. You do all kinds of shit. You rub it real good. I'm and stuff will shoot out of it. It's like you're calm just... Calm down, kid. Me? Okay, this fucking guy. He's talking about penises and shit. And it's just... Pen penicillin came from mushrooms, okay? It came from fungus. Did it? That's, yes, that's where, it came, that's where it came from. It's a fungus. And they 
it, penicillin. It cures all kinds of Sounds shit. Sounds like it came from something that means many tiny penises. Apparently. What was the other one? That was one big penis or super Stephyl- power penis? Stephylococci. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. Can, can, uh, can I have some power penis, please? One other example of natural selection should just about put this puppy to bed. Scientists have pointed to artificial selection to show that humans, by providing their own specific set of selective forces, can mimic the forces of nature. We see this over and over again in the actions of breeders who uh, uh, perpetually have wrought immense change. Brought immense, brought that's a typo. Brought immense oh, changes. No, in this, yeah. <laughs> it's wrought like uh, it's brought like b r o u g h t, but it's a w. Unless rot is a word, immense changes in plants and animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can look into the various breeds of dogs as an example, where claims are made that all dog species originated from one common source: the ancestral wolf. From their ferocious beasts. From this ferocious beast, we are expected to believe that a diverse assortment assortment of species was created by man himself. Such four-legged brutes as the uh, Chihuahua, uh, the Dachshund, the Poodle, and the Bulldog are all which have been with us since since time immemorial. This breeding myth appears to be a form of propaganda possibly uh, put forth by anti-intelligent design campaigners. Although I'll save any con- uh, conversation about intelligent design for a later chapter, how can we believe such claims about man's best friend when it is obvious to the common observer that every breed has been put on this planet to serve a purpose? I, for one, would point to the FSM as a creator of dogs, although there is, a, there is valid evidence that God, if he is ever proven to exist, might have had a hand in their creation. After all, aren't German shepherds meant to provide us with protection, maybe even from their own forefathers, the wolf? See various stories by Jack London. Uh, Weren't poodles and chihuahuas put on this earth to make us feel better about ourselves? There can be little doubt that any intelligent creator put all the species on earth to serve man. And evolution wasn't even properly invented until the late 1800s. Is that enough time to get a Labrador Retriever from a dire wolf? I think not. If you don't, if you don't buy this argument, consider this one last example, which is which in this case regards plant species. If we look at domestic cabbage, broccoli, kale, cauliflower, and Brussels sprouts, uh, are we in? Are we to claim even if they did not originate from a common ancient wild cabbage? That's uh, that selection to be natural, artificial, whatever, could not have done better over the last few thousand years. The answer is written in the squinched up face of every kind with a Brussels sprout, uh, sorry, of every child with his Brussels sprout in his or her mouth. Yet another strike against evolution. Uh, look at the def- definition for rot. It is a word. It's a archaic past and past participle of work. So if you, okay, breeders who reportedly have wrought immense changes. So it means they have. Them. It means they have, uh, like, worked. Okay. On changes. Okay, so that makes sense then. Uh, to my 
millennial brain. It just it should have been brought. Which, which is weird because it like it has like Google has a uh, use of the word like use of words over time, and like back in like eighteen hundreds, like it high dem- like it was used highly. And then now, like, it dropped down mid-2000s. In, like, 2019, it started going back up. Hmm. So, it's weird. Here's, okay. a, here's a, like, graph of it. Oh. Okay, let's go ahead and take a quick break. And then we will get into the chapter that starts uh, starts off with From Pirates to People. Hell yeah, my favorite chapter. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to take a second to let you know about our official podcast store at thecomcast.com. Go check it out today, everybody. We've got everything you can think of from t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, organic tote bags, and even drinkware like coffee mugs and craft beer glasses. Go check it out today at thecomcast.com. Now let's get back into the episode. All right, everyone, and we're back to the book again. This chapter is called From Pirates to People, and there's a little side note that says, not in a million fucking years. Um... And it has a picture of um, ape turning into man. I'm guessing it's reference to that. So, from pirates to people. Any discussion of evolution will eventually lead us to ourselves. Humans have been around for as long as we can remember. And yet, the evolution, uh, the evolutionists will tell you that we weren't. They will tell you that, the, that humans and chimpanzees shared a common ancestor some 5 million years ago and that we diverged, quote-unquote, from that common ancestor and eventually invest, invented the space shuttle while chimpanzees were only able to invent the stick. <laughs> to, support, to support this thesis, scientists tell us that we share 95% of our DNA with chimpanzees, and yet we share 99.9% of our DNA with pirates. I find it suspicious that biology textbooks rarely mention this fact. And isn't 100% because they were people too? I mean, I, I don't know. It's 100% because are they, they some, are I don't human. know. Some, some, some pirates probably weren't like that human. I ask you. Yeah, pirates. Who, who, is, who is the most... <laughs> That's probably what it is. Parrot pirates. That point zero one percent. That's what yeah. it is. I ask you, who is the more likely common ancestor, and are the pirates not the chosen people of the FSM? Why do we spend so much time talking about something that didn't happen, while the FSM is dangling his noodly appendage right in front of our faces? But I shall persevere just a little further, and I shall examine the human body specifically. I will examine organs that have been deemed vestigial or useless as a result of losing their function over millennia of evolution. Fallacy. Emerging in adulthood, these teeth these teeth are thought to have served as extra grinding services for early man, who, before the advent of proper dental care, would most likely have lost many of his teeth by his mid-twenties. Are they just talking about molars? Uh, wisdom teeth. Wisdom appear teeth. to still serve a useful a useful function in the parts of the deep south. Why? I don't know. I don't know what that means. Fact. It is common knowledge that our pirate ancestors ate a diet much rougher than our, than more manly, uh, sorry, much rougher and more manly than our diets today. Also, they tended to carry their knives set deep in the back of their mouths. See Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island. Shut up. 
It is logical then that they need extra teeth. No. I, honestly, I think, uh, I never really thought about it until now, but like, with I feel like if we did evolve from actual monkeys and not just pirates, um, because evolution goes far, way farther back. That's the thing, like, he just said that evolution doesn't go back a hundred years. But now all he's saying is like, the first people were pirates. Like, for real. That's a diagram. Yeah. So the first people are pirates, even though like, he was like, oh, now evolution's like a long time, not just a hundred years. No. So he's like backtracking. But anyway, I feel like we had bigger jaws back then, so we had more room for more teeth. Probably. A lot of like grinding of like seeds and herbs and stuff we found on the ground. Yeah, not carrying for fucking knives. Because we needed to forage. We've had to forage when we didn't have meat, and we had to hunt our meat. So that's mainly what it's probably about. Apparently it's for knives. Maybe. <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> That's the thing that they always carry their fucking knives in their mouths, like fucking dogs with never bones. Know, never know when you're gonna need a, a knife mouth, mouth knife, mouth knife. Never know when you're gonna need four extra teeth to carry yeah, a knife. Everybody knows that a pirate's rite of passage is their first mouth knife. Yeah. <clears throat> Male nipples. Oh god! How do we jump from teeth to fucking nipples? Fallacy. Scientists believe that fallacy. All <laughs> Scientists believe that all humans had breasts or dugs back in the Stone Age. What's a dug? A, a boob. A dug. Yeah, dugs. Nice dugs. Oh, okay. Fact. Male nipples were used by pirates as portable weather stations. With their nipples, they were they were able to determine the direction of the trade winds and, depending on stiffness, how cold it was outside. Gee, that's everybody. And if you have hairy nipples, of course, the little fucking, the little spider leg hairs. I don't know about women. I mean, women could have hairy nipples too, but men for sure. Like, yeah, they look like little fucking Medusa eyelashes. Mm -hmm. Or Yzma. Yzma eyelashes. Yeah. Yeah. Goosebumps. Fallacy. Evolutionary (laughs) probability. Why does he keep saying fallacy? It's fallacy in fact. Oh. Yeah. Fallacy. What what, what was that? What? uh, Fuck. Oh. Inconceivable. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of that fucking yeah. nerd from Princess Bride. Inconceivable. Fallacy. Evolutionary propaganda would have you believe that goosebumps are a adv- uh, atavistic, are an atavistic, now useless response to distress, be in emotional or weather-related that uh, was once meant to raise the hair on our early forefathers, causing them to appear larger and scarier. Fact: Goosebumps are a cleverly disguised feature that uh, that allowed for increased buoyancy once a pirate hit cold water. By simply appearing, they raised the surface area, thus increasing buoyancy. This made pirates float better, something that is very useful to our ancestors, mm-hmm. as they were sometimes without boats. Naturally, goosebumps seem to be a, vesti- a vestigial reflex, but it's really society that has changed. Appendix. Fallacy. (laughs) Fallacy. This is a remnant of an internal pouch used to ferment the hard-to-digest plant diets of our ancestors. Fact. The appendix was a clever internal pouch utilized for hiding a pirate's gold. It is also the inspiration for the saying, cough it up, which pirates would demand of defeated pirates once they'd boarded their ships. Cough it up. I cannot see a pirate being like, cough it up. 
Give me my phone. Cough it up, cough it up, or I'll stick you with my mouth knife. Cough it up, Bugsy. <laughs> You're gonna, we're gonna take you downtown. You don't hand it to gold. Tailbone fallacy. Evolutionists claim that the tailbone or coccyx, which has no documented use, is an unusual remnant of a larger bone growth that might have once formed an ancestral tail, homogeneous to the functional tails of their primates. Fact. Humans with tails are scientists high. Humans with tails are scientists high. Couldn't the coccyx have served other purposes? I have carefully researched this issue and have compared the coccyx to other unusual bone growths in animals, and the literature has led me to a single overriding conclusion. Lots of animals have horns on their heads, and these aren't thought to be the remnants of a, lo- a larger bone growth, probably because, unlike the coccyx, horns serve a purpose today. But what if the original purpose of the coccyx has simply been rendered useless by today's culture? If you examine the coccyx closely, closely you will see that this tiny growth is similar, uh, is very similar when you think about it to be a horn, which, uh, which is the structure used by many animals for fighting. I submit then that the coccyx is not a vestige, uh, vestige of any ancestral tale, but rather an effective, ambient, strangely placed, defensive, and fighting mechanism. I imagine the two opponents fighting over women or choice cave real estate would have run backward at each other, uh, their uh, asses outstretched, much the way elk fight with their horns. I have termed this ass fighting. This makes sense if you think about it, as it would leave their hands free to carry whatever they needed, most likely food or rocks. As further evidence that the coccyx is a fighting feature and that some knowledge of its use has survived uh, culturally through the years, consider how quickly someone will run away from you if you run at them backwards, ass first. I suggest that those who doubt this uh, hypothesis put it, to te- put it to the test and attempt to ram their ass into everyone they see for the next few days. Women are not advised to try this in the company of perverted men. I feel confident that most... Oh, well, at least he gave a fucking disclaimer. Yeah. I feel confident that most, if not all, of these targets will at the very least be afraid. I see no other explanation for why this would occur. Other than other than that, we know subconsciously that the coccyx is a weapon, not a vestigial tail. I like how he's like, <laughs> we have a horn on our ass. It gives us the freedom <laughs> to use our hands to carry food or rocks. <laughs> Yep, that was the other explanation. Mm-hmm. Leaves our hands free to carry rocks and food. Yep. Yay. <laughs> it was just fucking, I guess butt fucking wasn't uh, good back in the day. Yeah. Everybody had horns. You get stabbed. You never know what happened back in the day. Apparently not. One other vestigial feature. Fallacy. Fallacy! <laughs> the human genome provides evidence that we humans were not created ex nihilo. Uh, Nelios were an early Roman snack food, an early predecessor to Doritos. Essentially, this term translates to from Doritos. But instead, had to evolve simult- uh, systematically, just like all the other animals. As evidence, science point to, uh, points to lots of non-functional DNA. Yeah, non-functional DNA, including many inactive pseudogenes. That were functional in some of our ancestors, but aren't today. One example is that of, is often cited 
in the case of vitamin C synthesis. With all primates, including humans, carry the gene responsible for synthesizing vitamin C. That gene is inactive in all members of the primate family but one, man. Scientists point to that this as evidence of our shared lineage, although I can't figure out why. Fact. Pirates, our ancestors, lived in the tropics and ate a lot of fruit. No. It's not facts because they got a lot of fucking diseases from that, if you weren't aware. So I don't, I don't know where we're at on time. Uh, 103. 103. Um, I will go ahead and just stop there. Um, actually, I'll read this last one. Evolution gets sexy. Finally, I will address sexual selection, which I promised sometime earlier. The basic concept behind sexual selection is that one gender of species, usually the female, actively chooses members of the opposite sex to copulate with. Fuck, in other terms, based on certain criteria, thus placing a selective pressure on the species as a whole. Sexual selection explains the bright foliage of male birds. The impressive ritualistic duets among male rams, deer, elk, and other undulates. Rams, deer, elk, etc. And the high percentage of hummers being driven by short, ugly men. In short, sexual selection depends on the success of certain individuals over others of the same sex. With natural selection in non-gender specific... Is uh, while sec- natural selection is non-gender specific, in the interest of modernity, I move that Congress pass a bill outlawing this uh, backward and sexist practice. And that is where we will stop for today. Um, so we will start two episodes from now at the spaghetti uh, spaghetti deity. Yay. I can't so, wait. So I hope you all are all enjoying this. Um, if you're not, you might want to listen to the next episode and then skip that one. We're going to do this every other episode. I don't think we should do it every episode. Uh, let's just try to drag this out a little bit but not have all of our content be that for a little while. So I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, if you want to pick up a copy of this, you can get the Gospel of the Flying Spaghetti Monster on audiobook or you can get it as well um, in book form. I think they just have paperback. They might have hardcover. But go check this out if you would like a copy of it. If you want to follow along, please do. Let us know what you guys think on the Comcast Facebook page. Uh, we would really appreciate some feedback. I know, uh, I mean, you guys voted for this. Uh, I know we have a lot more members on the Facebook page, but you guys voted for this. Please let us know what you think of the episode. If you want to go to the Facebook uh, page it's at the Comcast. it's free sign up of You're, course it's free it's Facebook. it's free we'd appreciate the follow we really want to grow the facebook group um you'll you get early access to uh the beers review on the podcast you can see those first so you can have time to actually try them before the episode if you want to uh the books of the month you get to see those as well um so please Go follow that Facebook page, join the group, join the family, and let's make this uh, pig, milker, pig Milker Army the greatest ever. The only one ever. The only one ever, actually. That's right. All right. Love you guys so much. As always, read a good book, drink a good beer, and remember, when life gets hard and life gets you down, you trust in the FSM, the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Or milk that pig, bitch. Peace. We out. Peace.